Welcome to World Cafe. Hey, I'm Kaleo. Country music is one of America's greatest exports, a century-old tradition that's working class at its heart, telling real stories about real life. Belongs to anyone with the story, especially someone like Adeem the Artist, who grew up, in their words, as a low-class white kid from rural North Carolina. Initially playing in the evangelical Christian music scene and finding gigs on a cruise ship thanks to Craigslist, in the last few years, Adeem's embraced their country music roots and released their debut album, Cast Iron Pansexual. Adeem's a queer, non-binary artist who, on their latest record, White Trash Revelry, examines country music and its southern roots while asking big questions about privilege, race, and toxic masculinity. Coming up, I talk with the Deem about the message of White Trash Revelry and how John Prine helped rekindle their love of country music. Let's get into our session with the performance of For Judas, It's a Deem the Artist. Me and Judas down on 6th and Lowry Outside a cafe when the moonlight fell Cast itself down, pouring out on the city What a pity, when something so beautiful wastes itself I took a pull from my wood pipe As the taxi cabs drove by Full of college-age women in drag Yeah, they're all wearing costumes And they all look like children they're blowing us kisses as they pass I wondered what in the hell in this world could compel Any creature to smile on a pair like we were He had short, neat curls that were shadow black And I was fumbling around with the weather app Wondering if he could ever love me back Sometimes these things are hit or miss With the perfume trails lingering behind I caught an urge and the nerve to take his hand in mine And if it didn't rain at the perfect time It's probable we wouldn't have kissed In the northeast Minneapolis arts district I'm not the kind to lie about leaving With me clinging so tight to his chest In a notebook on the rough-hewn walnut Stand by his mattress I had drawn ultimatums in a cursive mess And then I never told anyone Kept it quiet Inspired by the urgency of the love we shared And some of our friends see I'm still alive and, and others don't believe I was ever really anywhere He gave my body and blood for the power of love And hoped that I would conquer sin But I never even rose again He had short, neat curls that were shadow black And I was fumbling around Wondering if he could ever love me back Sometimes these things are hit or miss 
With the perfume trails lingering behind I caught an urge and the nerve to take his hand in mine And if it didn't rain at the perfect time It's probable we wouldn't have kissed In Northeast Minneapolis Arts District Of a wasteful moon so familiar You sold me out for some pieces of silver But still I love the feel of your lips And I never wanted more than this To kiss you in public To openly say that I loved you This down for Judas. Oh, I love this was for Judas. That's a performance of For Judas. It's by Adim the Artist from their latest album, White Trash Revelry, the follow up to 2021's Cast Iron Pansexual. Adim is my guest today on World Cafe. I am Kaleo. Adim, so nice to meet. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kaleo. I really appreciate you. Take me back to when you started work on White Trash Revelry. This is an album that wears its heart on its sleeve. It's not afraid to tell stories that might make people uncomfortable or might make people empathize in a, in a, in a form of music they don't often hear it in. What, what was your initial intention when you started work on the record? For me, being kind of a low-class white kid um, from rural North Carolina... Um, having gone through the whole like move out and on and try to try to lose the accent and do that whole thing, um, and then coming back round to kind of viewing my my origin and history through through the lens of those experiences, you know, um, I stumbled in here really haphazardly. Um, I, I, you know, I was doing this deconstructive work of looking at my own life and the ways that uh, toxic masculinity had informed, you know, the way that I treated people, the way that I treated myself. And uh, country music kind of naturally became the, the the music for this because that's what I was listening to. And that's, um, I think also there's something really meaningful to me. You know, there was a time when I was getting into Ancestry a few years ago that I found a Confederate uh, great great-grandfather or whatever who had died in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so I think there was something about that for me, too, to be able to really reckon with the damage that this culture had caused me personally and the sort of misinformed ways that I viewed the world because of it and use that, um, you know, that cultural sound, which is wholly mine, entirely mine, you know, to do it with, you know, that, that felt really important to me. You mentioned that this, there is this systemic injustice that, that goes on, but it's wholly yours and you are allowed to talk about it because it's your experience, but it is in a fashion where, yeah, it, it, it's, it's this, like, it's, it's interesting to me because country music in the South are so intertwined even though not, they're technically their own thing, but in a lot of ways they coexist they and become bigger right. because of each other. And you sort of are 
you are at that intersection where this is your music and this is your your heritage, but you don't necessarily see yourself in it. Um, when did you start recognizing that, th- like, like being able to sort of acknowledge your history, go, you know what? No, I, I am from the South, even though I lived in Syracuse, New York for a little bit or was away from it and then started to sort of reclaim that part of your your identity? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think um, I think John Prine had a lot to do with that for me. I think James McMurtry. Um, but I, I think um, it was just finding the poetry in country music. You know, I, I, I didn't grow up on classic country. I grew up on uh, on like 90s country. That was kind of what was on the radio, you know, which is a different thing. And I still love that stuff. It's still apparent, I think, on my album that I have a deep affection for it. But uh, I became really, I don't know, I became really enchanted with the the rich poetry of old country, of, of Guy Clark. Um, and I think it, it, it became an entry point for me and the politic of John Prine as well. You know, your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore was sentiment that really resonated with me and suddenly made me feel like, oh man, you know, I, I, I could I could sing about some things that matter to me and use this same cultural voice to do it in. You know, I kind of, I think for years, there was no archetype that I had seen, you know, in the same way that I think for years I couldn't fully recognize or realize my gender expression because I had no access to another way of doing it. I think there was the same thing with country where my vision for what it meant to be a country music artist was so singular and so specific that I thought the only way for me to really flex my weirdness was to break out of the box and and um, follow in the footsteps of Lou Reed or, you know, th- these these kinds of cats uh, who who bucked, uh, bucked accessibility in the name of artistic expression. Um, so to, to find people like Prine, Lucinda Williams, um, who were, who were, I don't know, not sacrificing their values or their poetic voice in the craft, but still wholly participating in the tradition. That was like really affecting to me. Let's hear a bit of John Prine. It's your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore on World Cafe. But your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore. They're already overcrowded from your dirty little war. Now Jesus don't like killing no matter what the reason's for. And your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore. The one and only John Prine. Your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore. This is World Cafe. I'm Kaleo, hanging out with Adeem the Artist. Their new album is White Trash Revelry. It strikes me uh, as this is something to be excited about, uh, an opportunity, because I think you th- you look at the country music machine, right, and what, what it puts out, and then what the South might represent. And, you know, I imagine there's a certain extent that's like, I just want to write a country song. But yeah. also there's the idea of, hey, there's a lot we can talk about. There's a lot to un- unpack. And it seems like this was something that you were excited to do. Yeah, yeah. 
it didn't feel like work at first. Um, but the more I did it, the more it started to, I started to unearth new things. Um, you know, that was one thing I, I put out a record called cast iron pansexual in 2021. And, uh, it was not, it wasn't written or recorded necessarily for public consumption, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of hard work of exhuming heavy stuff in real time and not knowing what was going to come out, you know. Mm-hmm. There's something about um, holding, holding a, a box up and not knowing what's inside of it, um, but knowing that whatever it is is deeply personal and vulnerable and then opening it in front of your friends and pulling it out and being like, well... <laughs> Who knew? Uh, you know, it's it it it, and so I think that that work on a personal level was really constructive in helping me to look at what I had already been casually doing with country music, just you know, from a place of real joy, um, and and beginning to realize, oh, this is something. I, this is the same work that I can keep doing. You know, I can keep using this lens and 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 just diving in without expectation of what I'm going to find and let it let it happen. You know. So, cast iron pansexual wasn't initially something that when you started work on, you were intending to release. No, I I would say so. I released. I'm all but maybe two or three songs to Patreon supporters. And that was kind of all it aimed to be. Um, and then I was supposed to do a CD for my Patreon supporters. So I, I sat down and, and recorded that album in a week on my own here, right in this room, <laughs> right here. And uh, I actually, I couldn't get it done. So I sent all the, uh, I sent all the artwork to a local printer and he like printed the CDs and printed everything, and then he kept writing me saying, "Hey, when can I get those files?" And that was the only reason I was able to get the record done. And so I I, I finished it up, and then you know a couple people heard it, and they were like, "You should really put this out. This is something that people are going to want to hear." And I did not think that was true, but I was like, "Well, I've released a lot of music on Spotify and then taken it down, so who cares?" <laughs> you know. Um, and people did want to hear it. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. It resonated in ways I did not expect. Um, it was really warm. It's, it's really funny because, um, being seen in this way can be really unmooring. Uh, you know, the, 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 the system of celebrity is very strange and very depersonalizing. Um, but there is also something about, saying your innermost fears out loud to a melody and other people being like, oh, man, I feel that too. Uh, Especially, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this too, but to to go through the experience of isolation that is the pandemic and come out on the other side, uh, trans, uh, joined (laughs) and look around and see how many other people did too. It's like, oh, yeah, man, getting away from the social conditioning really goes a long way in helping you just to stand... In, in your own shoes and know what they are, you know? Definitely. You're listening to World Cafe. Adeem the Artist is my guest. The new album is White Trash Revelry. Want to get into a performance of Heritage of Arrogance. And, you know, this song talks about being exposed to a, a Klan rally. And I'm not sure at which point during your childhood. Was, 
what did writing this song do for you? Did it did it help you come to terms with things, or is this more a message that you want other people to hear? Um, I think the biggest thing is like when you talk about uh, what what is now a right wing term, wokeness. Um, you know what we're talking about is becoming privy to social injustice and the systems. Uh, that protect and preserve social injustice. That's that's what wokeness is is sort of nodding to, and I think that whenever you go through the disruptive work of learning about the realities of systemic injustice and how prevalent they have been and continue to be. And our role and our ancestral role in upholding those systems of injustice and of oppressing others. I think that the impetus is for anyone to disavow it completely and say, I'm not like that. I'm one of the good ones. I don't know. It almost, it almost becomes a new form of othering that ostracizes people who might have access to the things you learned if if they were welcomed into the conversation it's 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 about the dichotomy of calling in versus calling out so the the question for me became well if if i am a white redneck from rural north carolina what do other white rednecks from north carolina really need like what kind of intersection can they approach that welcomes them into the conversation in a way that isn't like Hey, y'all are white supremacists, and you you know what I mean. But actually, says like, hey, you're like people from my town. Um, I I know that you would you know give groceries to somebody in need. I know that you have real care. I know that there are things that matter to you that matter to me. I know that we share more values than we contradict. So what do we do with that? And how do I welcome you into the idea that this value of honoring human dignity extends to be an awareness of, of racial oppression. Let's take a listen to the song. It's Heritage of Arrogance. It's a Deem the Artist here on World Cafe. Well, I got saved at the Baptist church when I said the sinner's prayer. Went to service with my From the album White Trash Revelry, that's Adeem the Artist with the song Heritage of Arrogance. Adeem's my guest today on World Cafe. My name is Kaleo. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Um, I've noticed the record doesn't preach. Like, it doesn't tell you what to do. It's telling you stories. You're sharing your experience. But to a certain extent, it feels like a call to action without the actual, hey, you do this. How do you approach writing in a way that has a message but isn't making demands necessarily of the audience, but it is making an impact? Yeah. Well, I come, I, my, my music is deeply rooted in, uh, in Christianity and in the Christian tradition of songwriting. Um, and 
for years toiling in upstate in New York, central New York music scene, um, did a lot of pontificating from a microphone. Um, and I think that the one thing I've learned about myself is that I never respond well to anybody telling me what to think or what to do. And that extends to uh, anyone. It's, it's not about teaching people what to believe. None of it's about teaching people what to believe. And I think that's the big difference in, in between what I do now and what I did as a Christian songwriter. You know, I, I have no interest in um, changing people's minds into my mind so that they believe like me and act like me and behave like me. I have the desire to give people access to stories that will help reshape the way they interface with the ideas that we're already all interfacing with. Um, When I walk into a room, I have a host of marginalized friends with me who live in my heart in a little bird's nest, and they're with me. You know, they occupy that space. But as a white trash kid from rural North Carolina, I also have my racist grandpa sitting in that little bird's nest, (laughs) you know, And so I am, for better or worse, sensitive to the way that he hears and and processes information, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, he's dead now, but you know what I mean. This is a great lead-in, though, to um, painkillers and and magic uh, in terms of, you know, how you approach guilt or shame or, like, things that I imagine— if this is an autobiographical song, as a child sort of experiencing things, like— it, it seems like that would just, it would be very tough to write a song uh, about this without feeling like you need to preach, and you don't. And I think that's what makes the song so stirring. Can you talk a little bit about why you, like, how you wanted to approach this song? Mm. Yeah, this song's, a lot of this record, I mean, there there's a bit of both, but there's a lot of autobiography on this record. And this is one that I wrote. Uh, after my aunt Peggy died a couple years ago, um, and revisiting some of those places that I don't like to revisit, um, the sort of strangely, uh, I would I would call I would call a lot of the charismatic movement that exists in the rural South um, a sort char- of strange charismatic movement. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. Charismatic Christianity is a type of uh, it's it's a it's a sort of subgenre, uh, a lot of flags and a lot of really good music, uh, and dancing and shouting and singing in tongues and people people stand up and speak prophecies, um, stuff like this. And uh, there's a it, it, it's sort of a strange kind of Appalachian witchcraft actually. <laughs> You know, you're extending your hands in the direction of the people, and you're and you're trying to play with energy. And um, this was kind of a thing that I was I was exposed to a lot as a kid. Um, I I find it interesting. Christianity is such a huge part of the South um, and of of America's story. Um, I was promised to God before I was born by my parents. Um, I am an apostate. That's how I identify my religion. 
And it's because I am a non-believing Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apostate is as close as you can be to calling yourself uh, like a secular Jewish <laughs> person. You know, I, I'm so informed by Christianity that there's no way to identify myself without mentioning it. Um, wow. And so yeah. I, I think the one thing that's always really interesting to me about, and this is true of Christian music as well, but in country music, um, there's always discussion about Christianity that's very casual. There's always a lot of surface-level exploration of what it looks like to be a person of faith. But there are never any deeper explorations of the impact that, that those religious experiences have on people. Um, there's no exploration of, of doubt. Um, Jesus, take the wheel is just kind of a flippant catchphrase. Um, but there's no real exhuming of the ways that it that it challenges your very humanity sometimes uh, to defend indefensible scriptures and to beg for healing from a God who doesn't heal. It never comes. Those those types of experiences um, and and to leave space. For the discomfort of that, not with, without a need to say, but God is still great, but God is still good, but God is still for us. Nothing, nothing like that. Just, I asked God to heal and God didn't heal. That's all. Just, just the pain of that. Whatever it means, whatever it is, that's what's true. <laughs> you know, and I think to be able to share that and to sit in the in the weight of that and the weight of how much pain Christianity has in some of the impractical beliefs that are that are sort of grafted in uh, to how we practice it culturally. Ah, let's uh, let's take a listen to Painkillers and Magic from Adim, the artist here on World Cafe. We used to go down to Aunt Peggy's house Played in the dirt by the single white trailer Hit up the church when the spirit fell Praying in tongues of angels Marty's on the drink again We reach out towards him from the sanctuary Some folks sing and shout And the room gets loud until it all sounds scary This coalescing Of holiness and horror Addiction loss and Painkillers and magic Methamphetamines and spiritual madness I watch with the eyes of a child as it happens Through the lens of these memories At our white trash revelry Painkillers and magic Peggy has a soft voice 
Singing from the porch while I play with the boys Through the fabric of memory She stands in front of me Gentle and sad and rejoicing Praise be the Lord, savage sorcery This coalescing of holiness and horror addiction loss and blessing painkillers and magic methamphetamines and spiritual madness I watch with the eyes of a child as it happens through the lens of these memories of our white trash revelry Painkillers and magic Hallelujah When I ached in the closet alone on my knees Hallelujah I'll plead for God's mercy to wash over me Hallelujah I was a child and I heard nothing but I hear Aunt Peggy sing Hallelujah Ceaselessly That's a performance of Painkillers and Magic from Adeem, the artist recorded live. It's World Cafe. Adeem's my guest. The new album is White Trash Revelry. Um, in looking at your biography, it's, there are a lot of interesting things, but there is one thing that I'm just curious about because it is so polarizing, the cruise ship industry. And <laughs> you, you, cruise ships are something that it's like, I think you either love them or hate them. You worked as a musician on a cruise ship, which I think only heightens the tension for me when I ask, did you even, do you like cruise ships? What was that experience like? I was an alcoholic when I lived on the ship for, <laughs> for almost the whole time. Um, I think the last month I was, I was a white trash sober. I only smoked spice. Which was, which was uh, what was killing a lot of people back then. Uh, smelled amazing though. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have. How did you get that gig? Craigslist. What? Craigslist. Yeah, I got on Craigslist. I was like stuck in my parents' basement. I had kind of a mental breakdown and got stuck at home. And I was like, man, I got to get out of here. So I got on Craigslist, and uh, my my folks had moved to to Florida. And I was just kind of bumming around in their house while they tried to sell it. Um, so my job was to clean the house up when the lady said they were coming by to look at it or whatever. And uh, yeah, so I was just looking at music jobs in Florida thinking, well, maybe I'll just go crash in Florida for a while. And uh, there was an ad for a cruise ship job. And so I wrote, I wrote and I was like, hey, I'm pretty good. Can I do it? And she, they, you know, she told me the specs. She was like, you got to do a a music resume and you have to send a list of 150 songs you can play and you got to send us a video of like 30 second clips of you doing 15 songs. Oh and so God. I, uh, I, 
I was an original music artist. I had toured, but I knew maybe 15 cover tunes. Yeah. Um, so I made a list of 150 songs that I thought I could learn easy. I Googled music resume and, and just, you know, go- gobbledygooked my way through it. And then I recorded 30 seconds of the 15 songs that I knew and drank like eight gallons of water so I could pee clean. <laughs> and, uh, and I did it. I got on. So I boarded a ship in Miami, Florida a couple months later with a, with a three and a half inch binder full of 150 songs with the chord oh. charts because I didn't know how to play the dang things. And uh, yeah, so I just le- I, I learned quick and then I moved up to an iPad and started <laughs> learning, uh, learning songs on the fly from people. I got really, I got really good at Brown Eyed Girl. <laughs> I was going to say, this almost sounds beneficial, but it's like going to prison to do it. That's exactly what it's like. Except, I mean, it's like going to a prison where you eat Golden Corral at every meal. <laughs> I don't know if this makes it better. I don't know either. I put on a little weight. Um, what, what, actually, though, it, I mean, because of what you just described, I actually, in all seriousness, imagine that there, despite the alcohol or the spice that this made you more proficient as a musician. Like this was somewhat, somewhat valuable for you. Oh yeah. I mean, I was playing four hours a day for six months, like six days a week. I had one day off. Um, and, uh, and that was performance time. That wasn't rehearsal or learning new songs or anything like that. Um, so I got really good. I got, I, I can transport, pose on the fly like crazy like if i want to change keys or something i just change keys you know um and uh, i also got really good i didn't know this before i i always wrote songs and then i just sang the songs and when i was on the cruise ship what i learned was that i had to play the song in every key to figure out the sweet spot to find the best key for me it was best if i played the song in every key because sometimes i'd stumble on something where in one song there was just a line that was like too high but for some reason it broke at a point where it just made my voice sound cool you know and it worked it worked and so um i i still do that i still play songs in every key to find out which one's going to be the one that's the the sweet spot and i also learned that when uh, you know you, you can adjust by a half step or a whole step depending on the the voice you know in a night <laughs> depending on how much Jameson I've had a day we might need to take things down a half step. <laughs> this is this is your Beatles in Hamburg moment, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, that's. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. That was. I, I, I also learned. I tell you, I had this uh, buddy Hervoya. Her voya was uh, from from the former Yugoslavia, and uh, he he was a good buddy of mine. We'd drink uh, Jägermeister and apple juice together all the time, and I played a version of Piano Man. I don't know, piano guys hate Piano Man. Yes. I mean it's like it's it's like the worst. But I love the song, and nobody ever asked me to play it, so I so I would do it all the time. Um, but I did a, a kind of a. I did kind of a bright eyes informed version of Piano Man. And so her boy had told me one night, he was like, hey, I had some people come into my bar and tell me that they, they came to see you and that you played Piano Man for them. 
because I told them that you'd play it for them, and they said that you made them cry. <laughs> and that song is not supposed to make people cry. <laughs> and so I told her, Voya, I said, well, to be honest with you, they, they pissed me off. And when, and when people do that, I just try to make them uncomfortable until they leave my bar. That's my move. And her Voya told me, you don't want to do that, man. He said, uh, <laughs> he said, he said, why do you want them to leave your bar? I was like, well, I'll be happier if they leave my bar. He's like, yeah, but if you, if you make them leave the bar, then you just made them uncomfortable and now they win. He's like, if you, if you really don't like these people, you got to make them love you so much that they give you their money and then you rob them. He said, wow. that's the move. And that became a life lesson that hung with me for, for, for always. Wow. That is it's the difference between being a hustler and a con man. Hustler, <laughs> hustler, they kick you out of town. A con mm-hmm. man leaves when they want to. <laughs> <laughs> Adeem the Artist is here on World Cafe. We've got one more performance to get to. Uh, let's check out Middle of a Heart. Daddy's gonna buy me a brand new gun Show me how to clean it in the yard Papa says he can't wait to see me fire with that steady arm A couple hours of waiting and some heavy concentration Put a bullet through the middle of a heart Everybody's gonna be so glad to see The freezer full of fresh deer meat Mama's gonna be so proud of me When we get back to the farm Nights get longer, days get hard I learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart I learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart Carlene asked if she could marry me Driving around in daddy's car Gave her my graduation ring down by the lumber yard. Felt the violent hit of her passionate kiss like a bullet through the middle of a heart. Everybody's gonna be so glad to see her wearing that dress at our wedding. Mama's gonna be so proud of me. Spinning around with a steel guitar. Nights getting longer, days stay hard. It hits like a bullet through the middle of a heart It hits like a bullet through the middle of a heart You know my daddy paid his service till his time was due His buddy recruits these days Says I can make my country proud and get my education paid Face some fears, make it three years, brother, you'll have it made. Everybody's gonna be so glad to see me walking on the stage with my degree. Mama's gonna be so proud of me. God bless the USA. Nights get longer, days stay hard. I learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart. I learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart Didn't have a grudge to bear To 
many other people there But I came home haunted by the lives my duty cost Felt the barrel's tip against my ribs Put a bullet through the middle of a heart Everybody's gonna be so sad to see The flag disappear into the earth with me Mama, do you think you still believe I'm gonna see the face of God Cause nights get longer The light goes dark I've learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart I've learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart That's Middle of a Heart here on World Cafe. Adeem, the artist, the album is White Trash Revelry. It's available now. Adeem, it was an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Thanks so much for taking time and sharing stories about the songs on the album. And best of luck in 2023. Thank you so much for making space for me to chat with you and and, and for for being so earnest with me. It's been really nice. I appreciate you. That's Adeem. We're back in a moment with more World Cafe.